In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read some verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, from verse 14 to verse 17. Now, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death, leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life, leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many peddling, the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Grace of God the Father be with us all. Amen. So, let me give you, give you background about the context in which St. Paul said uh, these verses. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. Uh, when you read actually the first letter, letter to Corinth, the church of Corinth has so many problems. So many problems. And in, in each chapter, he actually tried to discuss one of the problems and to offer salvation. And one actually of the major problem that was in Corinth, that actually a person committed a very, very grave sin. Even this sin is not committed among the Gentiles, the non-believers who do not know God. He actually committed sexual immorality, adultery, with his father's wife, with his father's wife, with his stepmother. And St. Paul, in order actually to lead this person to repentance, he excommunicated him. And all the church was in, in a mood of sorrow because of the excommunication. St. Paul rebuked them. So many problems, division among the church, four groups. One group said, we are following Paul. Other group were following Apollo. Third group were following Peter. Fourth group, like the non-denominational, they said, are following Christ, uh, and so on. So, in the middle of all of this, St. Paul sending to them the second letter, in which he said, Thanks be to God who always, always leads us in triumph in Christ. So we may wonder here how you feel that you are victorious 
in the middle of all this trouble. And sometimes we, like high schoolers, teenagers, we go through different troubles, or let me call it challenges, not troubles. Spiritual challenges, sometimes I feel the war between the spirit and the flesh very, very strong. So either I give in to the flesh, or every time I am trying to uh, be with Christ, I feel walk, I feel weak, and I fall in many sins. The pressure from the society around me, the challenges while I am thinking about my career and my future, all the exams that I am taking and ready to go to college, if I start to work and drive, and now I'm facing the real world with all its challenges, I'm not this young boy that was sheltered in his house. So the question here, how we as high schoolers feel like St. Paul, that God always, always is leading us in triumph, in victory, while we are struggling with all these things. I will give you 10 points I want you to keep in mind, because these 10 points will help you to feel victorious, to feel that Christ is leading you in real, not, not just a feeling, it's a reality that Christ will be leading you in triumph all the time, all the time, even in the middle of the challenges, even in the middle of the difficulties that we are facing. The first thing, you need to have hope in God. Even when all the doors are closed, when any situation seems to you hopeless and helpless, God is the hope for the hopeless, and he is the help for the helpless. If you turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the same letter, chapter 1, starting from verse 8. St. Paul said, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. So he went through very difficult time in Asia that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. So you can see they are burdened beyond measure, above strength. And when St. Paul say we despaired, it is serious. He reached the point of hopelessness. Yes, verse 9, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Meaning, he said, we are dying. We will die. 
there is no hope. But when he said we are dying and there is no hope, he remembered that Christ rose from the dead and he raised even Lazarus who was in tomb for four days. So he said, why at this time when I feel I am dying, why I, I put trust in God? Because nobody else I can trust him. Only Christ who can raise us from the dead. So he said that we should not trust in ourselves, nor in anything else, but in God who raises the dead. So during this time of hopelessness, he put his trust in God. And what happened? Who delivered us from so great a death. Delivered past tense. And thus deliver us, that's present tense, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us in the future. You also helping together in prayer for us. So, how St. Paul was able to feel victorious even in the time of hopelessness, he put his trust in God. The hope of the hopeless and the help of the helpless. And he said, God raised the dead so he can deliver me from this great difficulty. That is number one. Number two, you need actually to think positively uh, even during the time of challenges. It's your choice to think negatively or to think positively. If you choose to think positively, there is power in it, power of transformation. This power actually will make you strong, not weak. If you choose to think negatively, you are defeating yourself, self-defeating. St. Paul was in prison. And when he was in prison, many people were active in ministry. Some of them of good intention. They said, Paul now in prison and he cannot preach. So when we preach and we become active in ministry, this will bring joy to the heart of St. Paul in prison. So these people from good intention, some people from bad intention, they said, you know what? He's in prison. Now it is our time to take his disciples to be our disciples, to change the rules that he made. It's our prison to make the, uh, our opportunity to make the people forget about St. Paul and we take all the fame. So this actually was something negative. But St. Paul was able actually to think positively during this negative time. If you turn your Bible to Philippians chapter 1. St. Paul said in verse... Uh, 12, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me 
have actually turned out for the further furtherness of the gospel. That's a positive thinking. He said, me being in prison, this helped actually in the advancement of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. I am in prison because I am preaching Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Many people became very active in preaching the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, bad intention, and some also from goodwill, good intention. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, selfish ambition. They have hidden agenda. They have ambition, but this ambition is ungodly ambition. Not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. They want me to suffer more. But the latter, the other group, out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. So how St. Paul handled it? Did he become angry? No. Start to think positively. Verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And even those who are preaching Christ to add affliction to my chains, it's okay. I'm happy that Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. So, don't let anything bother you and think positively think positively when you think positively you are victorious once you start thinking negatively you allowing defeat to yourself you are self-defeating yourself number three acceptance Many times we struggle to accept certain situation. Sometimes even we don't accept our parents. Say, I cannot wait until I'm 18, just I'm going to run and leave the house. I'm not accepting my siblings. I'm not accepting my friends. I'm not accepting the church. And if something happened, bad happened to me, disease or anything, I will be angry. I will not accept it. There is a story about a lady here. She was from Alabama. Maybe some of you heard about her. Her name is Helen Keller. Did you hear about her? She was deaf, mute, and blind. Yani, if, we have, if there is a child who is deaf, mute, and blind, maybe we say the best thing for him that God may remember him and, and, and this child dies. But this lady accepted 
this disability. And she decided to fight the disability. Positive thinking. And she was a Christian. And if you think about it, if you are blind and deaf and mute, what are the chances to learn how to speak? For example, to say the word water. You never saw water. You never heard the water. Yeah, she drank water, but she doesn't know how to say water. She never heard it, and she cannot see it and read it. So how a person in this situation can speak? But she decided to fight. Then actually, her teacher started to utter the word water. And Helen Keller used to put her, her... a hand on, on the mouth of the teacher to see how she moves her lips and how she moves her tongue and try to imitate to move her lips and tongue in the same way and she was able to speak and to understand the, the, the dictionary and she lived a long life She died at the age of 84. And her story says she died while she was sleeping at night. Very peaceful. Why? She accepted the disability and started to fight against it. St. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, illness in the flesh. And at the beginning, He asked God to heal him. But God told him, no, I will not heal you. He accepted the illness joyfully. He accepted to be ill. And God told him, my grace is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Meaning what? When you acknowledge that you are weak, you are allowing my power to work to its perfection in you. So St. Paul said, I rejoice in my infirmity that the grace of God may come upon me. He accepted his infirmity. He accepted to be sick that the grace of God might come upon me. Number four, many times we want our solution to be solved here and now, immediately. Or if I want something from my parents, I want them to get it to me right now. We are not patient. And because we are not patient, many times we feel that we are defeated. I don't get what I want. But there is a 
a beautiful virtue. I want you to learn it. This virtue is called waiting for the Lord. Waiting for the Lord. I'm sure all of you, you pray before you sleep the 12th hour from the Agbeya. In the first psalm of the 12th hour from the Agbeya, Psalm 129, we read, I have waited for you, O Lord. For your name's sake, I have waited for you, O Lord. My soul have waited for your law. My soul has hoped in the Lord. From the morning watch till night. From the morning watch, let Israel hope in the Lord. So David said, I ask it, you, O Lord, and I trust that you will give me what I asked in the proper time. So, I am waiting for you, O Lord. In Isaiah chapter 40, there are beautiful verses about those who wait for the Lord. Beautiful verse 30. Well, let's start from verse 29. He, God, gives the power to the weak. God gives the power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases his strength. If you have no might, God will increase your strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The youth who don't trust in God and trust in in muscles or trust in power, they will faint and be weary. And the young men who don't trust in God shall utterly fall. Verse 31, But those who wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord. So, let us learn this beautiful virtue. How to wait for the Lord. Number five. We need to let go of the one solution and accept other solutions from God. Many times I see there is one solution for my challenges. For example, the one solution, I have to move out. And I'm counting the days until I reach 18 to be able to move out. That's one solution for me. And if I am not able to do this solution, I will be miserable. I will be defeated. I will not feel victorious. But maybe God has better solutions for me. When I limit myself to one solution, I'll be defeated. But when I think about alternatives, 
And there are, believe me, for any situation, believe me, there are limitless alternatives. When I say limitless, I mean limitless alternatives. Then I'm not limiting myself to one option or my solution. Mary and Martha, I'm sure you know her story, their story. Their brother died. And the one solution for them that Christ should come before his death while he was sick to heal him. This was the one solution. So even after the death of their brother Lazarus and Jesus came, they told him, if you were here, our brother would not have died. Meaning what? Meaning that Jesus has power over illness, but he has no power over death. Now he is dead. You can do do nothing for him. So they limited themselves to one solution. That Christ should come and heal our brother while he is sick. But when Christ came, he said to Mary and Martha, if you believe you will see the glory of God, your brother will be raised. Martha told him, I know he will be risen in the last day. But the Lord was not speaking about this. Even when he went to the tomb, Martha told him, no, don't open the tomb. There is a stench, has been buried for four days. And the Lord reminded her again, didn't I tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And there was actually a much, much better solution. God raised Lazarus from the death. And this story actually brought many, many people to believe in Christ and to convert to Christianity. Don't limit yourself to one solution like Mary and Martha. Be open to alternatives. Even in the business world, when there is a problem, they say, let us do what? Brainstorming. No brainstorming means what? Let's just throw out solutions. And they actually put on the table all solutions. Even if something sound crazy, they consider it and think about it. And they try back to examine all these solutions until they agree on one solution. But if from the beginning they said that is the only solution, actually all these companies would run out of business. We need not to limit ourselves to one solution. Number six. Many times when we go through difficult time, what we do that we blame God. Blaming God actually make us separate ourselves from God. And God actually will not be able to help us, although he wants to help us, 
but he will not be able to help us because we blamed him and we pushed him away. And many times we blame God for things that we did wrong. So I am the one actually who put myself in this trouble and then I blame God for it. As we read in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 3. Proverbs 19 verse 3. The foolish, the foolishness, the foolishness of a man twists his way. So I get in trouble because of my foolishness. And then his heart frets against the Lord. Then he blames God. Although it's my foolishness that caused me to be in trouble, but at the end, I blame God. So, stop blaming God. Rather, seek his help. Seek his guidance. Seek his support. Blaming God will not help you. But get on your knees and tell him, Lord, I need your help. I need your support. Be with me. You promised me that you will be with me always. I want you to guide me and to help me to get out of this situation. Don't blame God, but rather trust him and ask for his help. Number seven, we need to be proactive, not reactive. Don't wait until you get in trouble and then think how to learn all these virtues and how to solve the problems. Many issues if we made a decision early enough, we will not get in trouble. Don't wait until you became an addict to drugs or marijuana or smoking and you cannot quit it. And then you say, I want a solution. But if you are proactive, you need to avoid not only smoking or drinking or using drug, but the ungodly friends who are using these things. That's being proactive. Don't wait until you get in trouble because of sexual immorality and say, now my girlfriend uh, is pregnant, what can I do? But be proactive and learn that abstinence and keeping your sexual instinct only in marriage. and know how to discipline your body 
as St. Paul said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. So, learning how to be proactive, not reactive, will help you. But many times we wait until we get in trouble and then we come and say, what can we do? Number eight. Even if I don't have any of these virtues that I mentioned right now, God in his love will come and knock on your door. So when God knocks on your door through the voice of the Holy Spirit within you or through Abuna calling and checking on you or through a friend asking you to pray with him or come to the church with him or through a Sunday school servant who actually calls you or through your parents God actually speaks with us all the time. Even through nature, like in the story of Jonah, God spoke to Jonah through the storm, through this little bush, through the whale. So when God actually speaks to you, don't turn your deaf ear to God. Listen to him. Today, If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. God will come to you. There was a man paralytic for 38 years. And he said, I have no one to help me to get into the pool after the angel stirred the water. But Christ went to him and told him, Do you want to be healed? If you are today here in this meeting in the church, it's not by coincidence. It's not by chance. God wants you to be here. And God actually is knocking at the door of your heart and asking you to open your heart and to receive him. Don't harden your heart. Today, if you you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Now the Lord is asking you, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed? Answer him and tell him, yes, Lord. Please heal me from my infirmities, from my weakness, from my struggles, from my sins. Don't harden your heart. Number nine. Learn how not only to pray, but to cry to the Lord. Cry, I don't mean to scream. But cry means you pray from the depth of your heart. In many of the Psalms, 
David said, I have cried to the Lord. Out of the depth, I cried to the Lord. Do you know the story of St. Peter? When he started walking on the water, and then when he started to drown, what did he, what did he do? He cried. The shortest prayer, but the most powerful prayer. He said this prayer, three words, Lord, deliver me. This is the shortest prayer, but it was very strong because he, these words came from the depth of his heart. He was crying to the Lord to heal him or to deliver him. Let's learn how to pray. Sometimes when we pray, the prayer comes only from our lips. It doesn't come from our heart. Such prayers will not do anything. God called it vain worship. But when you pray, try it. I'm telling you, try it. Try to pray from your heart you will be able to shake heaven and earth when you pray from your heart. The apostles and the church in the first century, we read in the book of Acts, when they were praying, the the, the house was shaken because of the power of prayer. Can you imagine if you are really drowning in the sea. What would be your reaction? You will be crying, asking for help, crying for help. Some of us do not pray at all. If you are not praying, you are disconnecting yourself with the source of power and grace in your life. We need to learn not only how to pray, but to pray from our hearts. Number 10, the last point. Thanks be to God that we are not alone, but we we have a church, and in the church I have the assembly of the believers, And beside this, we have the cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So, ask the intercession of the saints. Ask the cloud of witnesses to pray for you. Ask your friends, godly friends in the church, to pray for you. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, St. Paul said, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
when Haman, during the time of Queen Esther, wanted to kill all the Jews, and Esther decided to go to the king to plead for her people. And at the time, if you entered into the king without you are called or getting permission, you can be killed. Even if, if this is the queen. But Esther decided to enter to the king regardless what will happen to her. She took the risk. But before taking the risk, what did she do? She asked her people to pray for her and to fast for three days. And the fruit of this prayer, when people prayed for her and fasted, she was able to enter to the king and nothing happened, bad happens to her. And the king received her and saved all her people. How the mountain of Al-Mu'attam was moved through prayer and the intercession of the saints. Pope Abraham ibn Zara went to church in Ma'ala'a and he prayed before the icon of St. Mary. And St. Mary interceded for him and told him about Simeon the Tanner who through his prayers, God moved the mountain of Al-Mu'atta. We have many strong resources in our faith. Many. Nobody should feel actually defeated. With all these resources that we have, yes, God always leads us in victory. As St. Paul said, we feel defeated because we are not actually approaching these resources that we have. But if we approach these resources all the time, we'll say with St. Paul, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. So the 10 points that I said, number one, Trust in God even in the time of despair. Number two, positive thinking, the power of positive thinking. Number three, the power of acceptance. Number four, wait for the Lord. Number five, think about alternatives and let go of the one solution. Number six, don't blame God, but rather ask for his help. Number seven, be proactive, not reactive. Number eight, when God knocks on your door, open to him, don't harden your heart. Number nine, learn not only how to pray, but how to cry to the Lord. And number 10, the cloud of the witness and the prayers of others for me. All these resources will make us feel all the time that who are victorious in Christ Jesus. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.